0: see, after all is said and done, the only thing you can really be sure of, the only thing you can really count on in this world, is that you just never know. I bet the last thing you were thinking about when you were tying your shoelaces this morning was that there was a chance that by the end of the day, this day, those same shoelaces will be staring back at you as you cradle your head in your hands listening to a podcast talking about Geely. Hello and welcome to Two Hundred and Fifty. I'm your host Darren Mooney, and joining me as always is my co-host Andrew Quinn. How are you, Andrew?
1: Good, good thank you. Um, I'm I'm very good, thank you, Darren. How are you? Um, uh, uh, thank you for that. Uh, uh, um, I, um, no, I I I can't be honest, Darren. I'm 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 not very good, Darren. What what a, what? A, why? I I know why. I know why. And and before you point this out. This is this is my idea to do this podcast. Um and 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 my idea to 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 have these 100 worst movies. Um so I I suppose I can't blame you. But um yeah, I I retract I retract I retract a bit at the beginning where I said I was doing well. Uh, how are you, Darren?
0: <laughs> I'm good. I'm actually very interested to talk about this one because we have two fantastic guests joining us for this discussion. We do. We do. Um, that that
1: that is, that is a comfort. Um <laughs>
0: That somebody else suffered as well. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. It, misery loves company.
0: So joining us for this discussion of Martin Brest 2003, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez star vehicle Geely, notably one of the biggest turkeys of all time. We have two fantastic guests lined up, two two wonderful sort of pop culture commentators in the Irish Times and elsewhere. First of all, we have a new guest, uh, Louise. How are you, Louise?
2: fantastic no
0: complaints none at all yeah. no regrets <laughs> life
2: is easy life is fine everything's great
0: yeah. it's great it's great that we have a guest on this episode saying that and we also have the wonderful jen gannon how are you jen
3: good alive <laughs>
0: So sort of what halfway between say? the two extremes. Yeah, I like that. Kind of halfway between the two extremes. I'd like that when we have a full spectrum of opinions here. Um, so yes, we are talking about Julie, as we mentioned already, Martin Brest, 2003. Notorious Turkey, notably, obviously, one of the worst films of all time, voted for by IMDb users, one of the biggest box office bombs of all time, and generally critical shorthand for um, excess in a variety of ways. Now, we'll talk a little bit about how the movie came to be, kind of what it became, its, its reputation, and the movie itself in a moment. But this kind of the idea of discussing it with with Louise and Jen came up in conversation because I was talking to Louise I think about an episode we recorded in the before times uh, which was the uh, the wonderful i know who killed me with kean sullivan and i think Louise mentioned that she was a huge fan of of that movie is that correct
2: yeah i own two copies on dvd how do you have two um, I forgot that I ordered it, and just ordered it <laughs> again. I was upset when it didn't arrive, so I ordered it again, and now I have two copies of <laughs> I Know Who Killed Me, and I
0: watched them both. <laughs> I was about to say, so like, and you know, obviously this is not the I Know Who Killed Me 2 podcast, but do you regret that decision in any way, shape, or form?
2: Absolutely not. I, I probably watched that DVD more than like any of the other ones on my shelf. Uh, it's fantastic. Is- new, new lessons every time
0: I watch it.
1: This isn't the I Know Who Killed Me 2 podcast this is the chasing amy to podcast
0: oh uh, yes yeah <laughs> there's a lot, um, to, lot to unpack there in terms of kind of ben affleck's filmography but i was talking to to the basically and we were talking about kind of like that niche of, of kind of bad cinema that's kind of driven by star and celebrity performances and particularly the idea of uh singers becoming actors and then like vehicles being built around that in the sense of hubris around that i think Louise well, suggested is. Is
1: JLo a singer who became an actress? They like, didn't do. She's a do, dancer first and foremost. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was Actors thinking. Second didn't, didn't, singer, third. Ah. Is it, is it, she? She's a triple threat. Um. She, she uh, didn't she like start like people first got to know her on on the um, what's the name of that show? Um, like the Way, in living color. She Way was in, a fly in living color. Exactly. Yeah. With like Jamie Fox and Jim Carrey, oh, the Wyans,
0: the, the Wyans brothers, isn't that? Yeah. the? Yeah. Wow. Wyans, if you like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if you don't. <laughs> 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 I, I don't think it. I don't think that makes a difference. But yeah, so it was Louise. Had you seen Geely before it came up in conversation, or was it kind of like an aspiration?
2: I feel like when I was watching it over the weekend. I can't remember watching it for the first time but I know I have because there's so many parts of it that were just so familiar and the fact that it was released in 2003 it's not because I saw clips of it like anywhere else like it wasn't like the other way now even if you haven't seen Cats you've seen Cats like through Twitter and like everything else but like with Julie it did that didn't happen in 2003 so I'm sure I saw it but I blacked it out in my memory um so I'm going to treat this weekend as my first
0: time seeing it um yeah and, Jen, what about yourself, actually? Um, oh, I had, had you...
3: definitely seen it, yeah. Um, for Christopher Walken, mostly. Uh, which is my favorite performance in probably any film ever.
0: <laughs> this particular Christopher Walken performance. Christopher
3: Walken in this film is one of the greatest. Like, when we used to watch this film, we would watch it just for that part of the film and then just turn it off instantly because that was all you needed. You didn't need anything else. It wasn't about, you know, the infamous turkey time gobble gobble. It was about Christopher Walken's line reading, which is just really something else that we will discuss in length because that's all we're (laughs) going to (laughs) discuss.
1: It is an incredible thing. I mean, Darren and I are big fans of Christopher Walken. I, I love any movie that he's in and thankfully he's in tons. <laughs> he's still like um, it, there's there's no kind of this was a um, year
0: after his Oscar nomination for Catch Me If You Can to give a yeah sense of perspective. and it's probably
1: like a year before he did Country Bears or like Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> there's, there's 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 no consistency at all to what kind of movie he's choosing. Like, but
3: that's a breast move. It's you know calling in all the favors. Between yeah, him well, and Al Pacino.
1: That, that, that's not even. That's oh yeah, different. sorry. I was go- about to say that wasn't even the biggest favor, but yeah. They're the best
0: men. I, I, <laughs> well, I, well, yes. I, let's let's talk very, very briefly because I feel that like That was a Gilly, shock
1: for me. By the way, I was like knocked out <laughs> when, when, when when that happened. I was like, what? When that
0: yeah. Even though like he gets an and in the opening credits, I was yeah, not that and attention. just doesn't do it justice. It really
3: doesn't. Like. <laughs>
0: Also, the Um, first hour of the film is so long that by the time you reach it, you've forgotten the opening credits. It's Um, two
3: hours. How is that
1: possible?
0: I, I expected that this would be short and was putting it
1: off and then realize like we're starting a little late today and I apologize I should have done my research but but yes it's two hours long I was thinking like at least this is bound to be short like I just had a sense like this couldn't be couldn't be any longer than like you know um an hour 75 minutes tops like they've probably just put enough film so that it can be counted as feature length um uh but no no it's two hours um, yeah yeah oh by the way um if um oh no sorry if 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 we're going if we're going to be telling people to 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 watch this i was going to say get the standard deaf and and renters <laughs> um, but, um That's a very
0: specific but, yeah, don't, did, don't pay
3: for that high def no. don't go all out on that, it's not no,
0: that yeah, kinda... last thing you need to do is to encourage revolution pictures they don't need that money they don't need that encouragement right um but very, very quickly, actually, because it's worth kind of putting a bit of context in and explaining how something like Geely happens, because it doesn't just materialize out of nowhere. And in fact, actually, we're probably going to talk a bit about the context of it uh, in a bit more depth, but very, very quickly. Martin Brest, uh, film director, generally regarded as a pretty solid director up until this point. He directed a number of films that people highly regard in the 80s, including films like, say, Beverly Hills Cop, films like Midnight Run. Uh, We mentioned and alluded to one of the favours he called in. He was the director who got Al Pacino his Oscar, finally, for Scent of a Woman. Um, He had had some difficulty on the previous film that he had directed with Sony Pictures, which was Meet Joe Black, the remake of Death Takes a Holiday, starring Brad Pitt. Oh, wow. is something of a two fifty whipping boy. Whenever we talk about Brad Pitt, there's inevitably an a quote from Brad Pitt, and, and Jen is shaking her head. Do we want a brief kind of side trail into speaking in defence of Mejo Black?
3: Of course, because I I doubt it was any women that were given out about Mejo Black and fairness, because I mean that got us through a lot of <laughs> time as a young girl. I'm going to say that very image of Brad Pitt uh, licking the spoon from oh, the good. peanut butter jar. Hmm. What about yeah. uh, what,
1: ab- what about uh, Legends of the is that not like if i mean I
3: both equally hey you can you know whatever brad takes your fancy but i don't like to denigrate Micho black because of that and i like who will yeah. never forget yeah. the amazing scene where he gets you know run over and twice <laughs> and, i mean and it was yeah. in, it's moving It's it's extremely moving <laughs>
1: I, I, I'm amazed I didn't think about that movie while watching this, because I had some like dark thoughts watching this movie, <laughs> every time they were driving I was think. sorry sorry <laughs> I, I, I was thinking something something terrible was going to happen to them, like some grisly Jane Mansfield type uh, 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 vehicle accident, uh, but, uh, but uh, I guess we can get into that in therapy um our <laughs> spoiler zone yeah. yeah, 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 um,
0: as we're calling it this week, but yes, so, to give a bit of context for uh Geely, which is written and directed by Martin Bress, very much kind of an auteur project from him again, he'd written a lot of his earlier work and he kind of took it to Sony and it went into production there, and again, this is one of the things where there are interesting branching alternate universes at play here. j-lo was the original choice for the female lead here. She was unfortunately not able to do it according to the original schedule because she had signed on to a counter-terrorism thriller called TikTok, at which point the producers hired Hale Berry, who was coming fresh off her work uh, from Monsters Ball, uh, to play the lead role. However, Ben Affleck had checked into rehab, pushed the production schedule back a bit, that forced Barry to drop out because she had to work on X-Men 2 around the same time. I think also possibly Swordfish. I'm not entirely sure. Um, and then a great that... year. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, we're going to talk just... about... Can we please just talk about Swordfish? <laughs> yeah. The sweet release of Swordfish. Was which Gothica allowed... she
1: did as well around that time, Halle Berry?
0: Gothica was a couple of years later, I think. But yeah, Gothica with Robert uh, Downey Jr., as I recall. Right, yes. yeah. What if she had
1: also yeah. done this?
0: Like... <laughs> Um, We're say, well, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> by, by comparison. Um, but he, here's the thing. And again, this is where Cheely becomes a human centipede type movie in a really disturbing sort of way. What happens is because j-lo is then able to drop out of tiktok because 9-11 happens and nobody wants to commission a movie about counter-terrorism so all of a sudden her schedule frees up and you'll notice again i think collateral damage the schwarzenegger movie was actually pushed back by two years around that time as well so j-lo is able to step into the lead role on the delayed production of which puts her opposite ben affleck they meet on set sparks fly almost immediately she i believe is currently married to uh chris judd um However, they embark on an affair that captures the attention of the tabloids. And again, we'll probably go into more depth in a moment, but I do particularly like that in March 2002, Affleck begins his courtship by taking out a full page advertisement in the Hollywood trade papers, celebrating her for being named as Show West's Female Artist of the Year. In that open letter published in trade papers across America, Affleck praises her, and I quote, kindness, dedication, diligence, humility. Graciousness of spirit and beauty and courage.
3: Now, that was, he was kind of doing that as a move. I, I know at the time there was talk of that because it was like this Liz Taylor, Cleopatra vibe where there was a lot of talk around JLo on sets being a diva. And not only was that his profession of love for her, but also was kind of trying to, you know, get across to the tabloids, et cetera, that she wasn't a big diva to work with. And also it's kind of funny because the whole parallels between that and Cleopatra, the Doomed Uh, film and like the Liz Taylor, Richard Burton affair thing, so there's big parallels there. But at least Cleopatra is watchable,
1: yes. I mean, it (laughs) it kind of makes her seem like more of a diva, though, doesn't
3: it? Oh, she didn't have a hand in that, though. That was like all Ben. That was all Ben.
0: Oh, that was absolutely she was married to somebody else at the time this was happening, by the way.
1: Maybe I'm being cynical. It just did what you just described sounded like PR.
0: Oh, definitely! <laughs> yeah, absolutely! Like old studio system type bior. Um, but yeah, and again, un- it's, it's worth- unbeknownst to Jennifer Lopez, someone was
1: launching it anyway. Sorry, never, uh, never mind.
0: <laughs> um, yes, but again, and then the, the back and forth and the tabloid fascination with them. So in August, um, he gave her a gift of a Bentley. In September, for his birthday, she gave him a present of nude po- of nude photos taken by her Brits, for example. Um, and then basically, what happens is sorry, as what? a celebrity.
1: But, what, what nude photos? But,
0: sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you, you need to slow down for bits like that, Darren. <laughs> okay, so, slowly. in August, Affleck got
0: her a gift of a Bentley. Okay. Oh, anyway. <laughs> um, But basically, what happened is the Sony publicity department discovered that Ben, uh, that Benefer, as they'd come to be known in the press, were generating a lot of heat. A lot of press. And so they decided what they would do is they would do what Jen alluded to there. They would turn Geely into a vehicle for uh, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck. Breast to that point had written it as a darkly comic mob movie. All of a sudden, it was heavily, heavily, heavily rewritten and re-edited and re-soundtracked to make it play like a rom-com. And you can see that when you look at the trailers. And we'll talk in particular about some of the things the studio decided to tone down very, very heavily in terms of the finished film, but also in terms of the trailers as well. After that happened, in October 2002, Jennifer Lopez released the video for Jenny from the Block which perhaps contributed, I think, to the turning point of the perception of the two of them in the public eye, which is very much, again, for anybody who's familiar with it, I'm still, I'm still Jenny from the block, the idea of kind of authenticity and the video that portrays the two of them cavorting around on yachts and wearing bathrobes and ringing people on diamond-encrusted cell phones while asserting that they are authentic and real and kind of just like everybody else. Right,
1: yeah, does anyone who's authentic and real have to go to pains to explain how authentic and real they are? Or, or does anybody need uh, like who 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 has genuine authenticity need their like partners and friends to take out ads in the pa- sorry sorry i have um, i i don't know why i'm being mean it it just mm-hmm. it just kind of strikes me a bit like the uh so some people that protest too much um, I
2: think that was like the basis of their relationship though it was like well we both came from nothing and now we're just swimming in diamonds and we are the only other person that understands this so they probably got a good like three months of conversation out of that and then we're like oh actually maybe we don't love each other at all. She also had
3: another song called I'm Real so I mean she was very bent on people knowing that she was for real,
0: real, I love- real, real. I love really, and trans- there is also a, from that same album, "The uh, Love Letter Raff." I think it was to Ben. Is that the name? There well? it is,
3: yeah, and it's appalling, yeah. as you would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love,
1: I love really transparent, uh, pop, and kind of like music where it, where it's like extremely autobiographical. Like I love that all of Dr. Dre's music for the last like thirty years is about how he's not past us and he's still relevant. <laughs> and it's like it's okay. We we like you, you know? Um yeah, but um anyway. Um I I do enjoy that as a genre, the very confessional. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All your anxieties projected onto celluloid or on yeah. a compact disc. But again, yeah. again, the public perception of kind of benefit had changed dramatically studio were left in a position where when they test-screened the movie for audiences, the reaction was um, not favourable, to say the least. They, they, I believe, surveyed 3,000 people across 10 different press screenings. The scores came back 2,965, rejecting the ending of the movie. Apparently, Martin Brest was told to completely restructure the movie, re-edit the movie, and to bring certain actors back for reshoots. They did that. They screened it again and the scores were somehow even lower, at which point apparently Brest nearly ended up in fisticuffs uh, with Joe Roth, the chairman of the studio. Joe Roth, by the way, you may know as the man who was responsible for the 2004 Oscar ceremony the year after this was released. He famously stripped out all musical and dance numbers and replaced them with Will Ferrell and Adam Sandler, um, just so we get a sense of who we're dealing with here. The movie was released. It was not pretty. The reviews were um, scathing, to say the least. It had the biggest box office drop in history between its first and second weekends, which would later be surpassed by Meet Dave. It lost 97% of screens between its first and third weekends. It is so famously a misfire that Sony lied about how much it cost. They claimed that it only cost $50 million in order to get it right off. and
1: They didn't realize that they would be hacked several years later. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a very fair point. Um, but yes... Uh, it failed to earn I think it earned only something like $3 million the US box office, $7 million worldwide, which is less than 10% of its total gross, has kind of come to be known in, in the years that followed as kind of an example of kind of massive folly. So with that in mind then, what were our impressions of, of Geely <laughs> <laughs>
3: After all that <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: What what do we make of Geely very briefly? So so Louise, you you said you treated it as a first viewing. What was like what was it like seeing it in its hole for the first time? In its hole, uh, well, <laughs> um, sorry. Speaking of cats,
2: um, <laughs> yeah, this is the asshole version. Um, it's an incredibly boring film. Like, really, they're Like the fact that it's shot in that mostly in that one bedroom apartment, um, and it's all just so grey and it's all just so dull that. I, it's so boring that I, I don't really understand how it generates so much hate because as I was watching, I just kept kind of like zoning off, checking my phone. And I'm like, oh, there's still, this film still on. <laughs> like, it's so long. Like the first 15 minutes really dragged. I was like, where are they going to actually take this? Um, but like, I think people, I think the hate was probably just, aimed at them as because they were just the embodiment of terrible celebrity culture at the time. So it was really easy to hop on board that. But if they probably weren't a couple, it would have just gone under the radar of everybody else. And it would have been an example of anything. Um, but Jennifer Lopez is the best thing about it. And she's yeah. not even good in it. So it's uh, a, <laughs> you know,
1: I don't uh, know. I mean, Walken, um, <laughs> the Walken. Uh, I was disgusted that he did not come back. At any point. Well, we're after where did he
3: after go? That. How, can you, lab- how can you we teach? He you went to the pie shop, obviously. Was- that we <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. for sure. <laughs> he went
1: did to you Mary guys watch until the very
0: end. Yeah, did you guys watch until the very end where there's a post credit scene of him enjoying some delicious pie and I cream
1: <laughs>
3: Put it and on this- your head. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And, his, and tongue. his tongue is,
1: is slapping Be your brain, his brain right gun. out of your head.
3: <laughs> I mean, beautiful line
0: reading. Beautiful line. Incredible. Line reading. Wow.
1: <laughs> your, your tongue will just slap your brains. Um right amazing. out of your head.
0: Um but um yes, we, we'll talk about this more in the spoiler zone. The character was meant to reappear. He was meant yeah. to go somewhere. It's like there's there a were... lot of
1: there's a lot of checkups gone stuff that doesn't really kind of materialize. Like, when are we going to get to see her time white Chai? Um, You know? Um, Was that removed? Um, Did test audiences not enjoy it? Um, Well, no, the
0: explanation of that was removed, actually, funnily enough. Um, But... Yeah, again, this is one of the things, just very briefly what Louise said there about this fact it's all shot in the apartment. One of my favourite critical takes on this is from Scott Meslow at GQ who describes it as between the terrible characters and the single setting, it plays as the weirdest crappiest off-off-Broadway play you have ever seen. Um, which I think sums yeah. it up quite closely.
1: It's a, it's like a road comedy where they stay in the same place. It's it's, it's bizarre. It, um, Anyway, the it was. I. 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 I have to admit that I did enjoy it. Um, like I did laugh um, a a a lot. Like I. I think. I think it's on the right side side of bad movies. You know. Um, is
0: this the? It's a bad movie. That's a good bad movie. Is it?
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I don't think if 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 it, if it was the kind of like yes it's yes it's boring and it's it's bad but i I think if it was if it was just kind of boring and bad and not also um uh, bonkers, then it wouldn't be on the bottom one hundred because not enough people would have you know t- uh, take the time to to race it. um
2: but there's also like zero chemistry, bet- between Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck in it, because suddenly when it's on the cards that maybe they could hook up, you're like, really? What what spark was anybody given to the other one? Like apart from him making big leery eyes from her through any like door crack that he could, um, she suddenly like flips it and it's like, why would you do that? Like th- there's nothing there. There's no there's no
1: warmth. No. There's no embers. Hold it, hold it. I'm sorry. <laughs> um... All the, uh, I beg your pardon, sorry, all the sexual chemory, chemistry is masturbatory. Like it, sh- it should be the, that like the culmination of the sexual chemistry is the two of them. Like, you know, just like a scene a,
3: from Nymphomania.
0: Exactly. Yeah, like a mutual be masturbation
1: Because she's really into herself and he's really into himself. And And they like, both
0: say God bless you at the end, is it?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, I'm sorry. That it yeah, I don't know. Is is it this movie's fault that it's brain damaged? Um <laughs> or,
0: or, <laughs> or, or, be, or,
1: the tagline um, I'm sorry. Um, um.
0: But uh, sorry, Jen, what about yourself though? In terms of, because you you said you remember having seen this and you've watched this kind of several times. Just
3: just Christopher Walken's part, really, generally. Um, But it's honestly... Do you watch the bit up
0: until that or do you just watch that scene out of context?
3: Just that scene out of context because... Well, I mean, you can watch the bit just before, but like watching it again, the full thing, when you see him come in, it is the best thing about it. I mean, like for everyone, I think it's just a cultural punchline anyway. Like there's no way around it. And like... Um, there's nothing to it in the way of... It's not like when you're watching Mr. and Mrs. Smith where they could sell it off the heat and kind of go, you're seeing them, you know, have this affair. It's starting on screen. Or even with Edward Scissorhands where, you you know, they were all kind of saying, well, like, this is where Johnny Depp and, and Winona really fell in love. Like, it, it hasn't got any of that behind it because, like Louise was saying, there is literally zero chemistry between yeah. them. So I can't understand, you know like we wanted to hate them so much then because it was like them you know we were living in like a, a max maximized like maximalist pop culture time where like they were there 24/7 they were it was the height of like Perez Hilton and Just Jared and um all of those kind of websites and we were seeing them everywhere so we we didn't need a film to sell us their romance, like, as, like the Jenny from the block video, that was enough. It was all enough. They were in every single website on every single tabloid for the whole time. So it was already, you know, a dead, it was dead. The concept of their relationship was dead by the time the film came out. And the film just exacerbated the fact that we were tired of them.
2: Didn't they break up because he couldn't stop going to strip clubs and then Jennifer was Lopez and the hustlers? Yeah, yeah, know, but
3: he was just gambling, like like as per usual of anyone who would have any half a brain was a bit better. I like, I'm, just.
1: I'm, just I've um I've I've uh, slandered uh, Ben Affleck many times in the podcast before, and have been edited out at the beginning. We'll <laughs> no, just but, have to but, edit this whole thing <laughs> But but but, but, I, but I think now it's okay, right? Now
0: it's okay. Now it's known. Now it's widely now it's, known. Now it's
1: known. Yeah. So yeah, we can we can say what we like. It's public record. I'm not, I'm not sure whether
0: I love the idea that Andrew was secretly on the grapevine on that one. It's like, yep, yeah, I know Ben Affleck is a huge. Anyway, never mind. But yeah. Then,
3: <laughs> But That's also at the time, I think what happened was that was really extraordinarily horrific was the fact that it, it really uh, tore it, it, it tore Jennifer Lopez's acting career asunder. And she was somebody that we'd seen in Out of Sight and had seen how good she was in Out of Sight. And she was praised for that. And her career tra- trajectory just went so wild after this film, even to the point where Miramax were... As we know, Harvey, well, whatever. But Miramax were putting pressure on Kevin Smith to cut jlo scenes down completely when she did Jersey Girl after I mean it was around the same time, but when it was coming up to being released after Gili, because nobody wanted to see her anymore. And nobody wanted to see her in the context or in the same room as Ben Affleck. And, you know, that really Jiggly Jiggly Gili, whatever, had a knock-on effect for, you know, films, subsequent films for Ben Affleck but mostly Jennifer Lopez but like the fact that it affected something like Jersey Girl was is crazy when you think about it because that was a completely separate vehicle and a completely different style
0: of film but nobody wanted to see them together anymore well yeah I kind of wanted to talk about this actually because one of the this is one of the interesting things about the kind of fallout from Julie because again we've talked about how on the bottom 100 there's a tendency towards voting down uh, particularly female pop star vehicles. Like previously we talked about with, yeah. say, uh, Marianne Cassidy and Grace Duffy. We talked about Spice World. Uh, we talked about uh, Glitter with Stacey Groudin. We talked about um, I Know Who Killed Me with Kean. Um, and these are all kind of films starring young pop stars who are kind of like trying to to make a name for themselves, trying to break into film. And again, you could say Swept Away with Madonna, perhaps this also falls in there. Britney Spears' Crossroad, for example, uh, to Justin from Kelly, those sort of films as well that tend to make the bottom 100. Whereas to pick an example, a fiasco like Justice League or Fantastic Four won't because that's not a film the demographics that vote on the list are particularly likely to kind of gang up on or kind of press down on. But also I
3: think there's a difference as well with the fact that if you're looking at something, something that killed Madonna's acting career for a while was the fact that she was with Sean Penn in Shanghai Surprise. And it was the fact that they thought the, the narrative of the press surrounding that was here is a woman who is dragging one of her brightest actors down. And that's the same narrative with Gili, which is crazy because it actually should be the other way around. Ben Affleck is a mediocre right. actor dragging down Jennifer Lopez, who actually is some an actor of worth, like. And it's just this narrative has never changed. Never changed and it never will change.
0: That's exactly what I was going to say there. It's notable that, like, for example... Affleck can talk at length in interviews at the moment um, in the past couple of years about how much he enjoyed working on Geely. Again, when he when he got nominated for Argo, sorry, when Argo won Best Picture, he said everything he learned about directing actors he learned from Geely. He can talk at length about how he feels Geely was shortchanged and Martin Brest was a visionary. And he can do all this stuff without feeling at all uncomfortable. Again, Ben Affleck's 2003, he bounced from this Into Daredevil and Paycheck. Three movies that should kill any actor's career. And yet he just kept going like The Terminator. And as Jen pointed out, it was more interestingly Lopez who paid the price. He pointed out that thing with Jersey Girl. She was very famously killed within the first 15 minutes of Jersey Girl. She was killed off in childbirth um, in the first 15 minutes because of those choices, because the audience had reacted the way it was, because Miramax put the pressure on Smith to take her out of the film. She doesn't talk about it in interviews because obviously it's it's a much more serious thing for her than it was for Affleck. And again, she arguably spent a lot more years afterwards trying to claw her way back up to respectability in inverted commas uh, in a way that you know Affleck didn't. Affleck was always kind of... T- taken seriously and could bounce into directing the town and directing Argo and things like that whereas Lopez arguably it's I would say has only like been taken I'm what sorry. she was offered though that's the thing post yes.
3: this it was only she's just good for you know Monster Rock in Kong, Law for and example that kind, of yeah, yeah and that's upsetting that like, she wasn't given the proper material and it took so long like right up until now for her to even ha- claw back any kind of semblance of a career which is yeah. phenomenal like horrific for her
0: (laughs) I mean again Affleck being kind of feted by the Academy Awards and she gets overlooked for Hustlers and Hustlers is arguably the point at which pop culture really went hey actually Jennifer Lopez is brilliant Um, and again the fact that this was what 15 years after this movie was released again so it's kind of an interesting example of how that still cuts even though you would argue that this is maybe not an example of that genre of kind of a female star being pushed down because it's about the couple it's still even if it's about the couple it's still lopez who feels the weight of this or the pressure put upon her um and again a lot of the gossip around this as well was notably around lopez so things like for example affleck's trip to, to strip clubs for example tend to get downplayed in the press whereas Affle- whereas sort of lopez getting apparently a photoshop touch-up um on the poster was a major 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 news story around the release of the film uh all right then so uh to start us off uh, jen do you think that Geely is one of the worst 100 movies ever made? Belongs on the list, the worst 100 movies ever made.
3: Yeah, I mean, yes, because I mean, it's Martin Brest, and that's what's upsetting is uh, you're looking at how can the person who made *Midnight Run* make this? And it's like the all the same elements should be there. It's just that you know the fact is that his writer wasn't there, like the fact that he did, he wrote this himself, and that's where you're looking at how important it is to have a a great screenwriter to work with um and he didn't he he took an on board himself and i I just think it's a real he never made a film after this, did he? Yeah, he retired. He ret- the saddest thing ever is the fact that this is the final. This shouldn't be the end for him. Like, I mean, for the high, the highs are so high. Like, Midnight Run is one of the funniest, one of the best films ever made. It is, without a doubt. And also, I love Beverly Hills Cop. And I just think that's really it's to end on this low. And it's such a low. It is one of the worst of the 100. It has to be. Like, it's just, it's meandering, it's boring, it's outright offensive. And so, to so many people, it's so offensive that. You, you just it's shocking and I can't believe that it's the same person that made this that made something as funny and fast and like that's the thing about midnight midnight run it's all about you know wisecrack speed speed and like cook cook cut, cut and how is this so slow and meandering how is this two hours long and it feels like four hours so yeah it does it does belong on it if only for this is the saddest point in someone's career and I'm really sad that this is the end of his career to
0: be honest and apparently a lot of that is down to him as well. Apparently he chose to resign because he just had so much kind of difficulty. Obviously with Meet Joe Black beforehand, he had similar battles with the studio. and here, Did he write Meet Joe Black or
1: was this his first oh. movie that he wrote?
0: And I think he also wrote Meet Joe Black. Did he write Meet Joe... Did he write Meet Joe? Okay, let's go to that. Let's check. Back. To
1: the fact machine. <laughs>
0: uh, direct and produced. You're right, actually. Sorry. So yep, who no, wrote right Meet Joe right. Black? So Bo Goldman, Kevin Wade, Ron Osborne and Jeff Renault.
3: And it was George Gallo that did Midnight Run. Yeah. Because he did yeah, Beverly Hills yeah. Cop as well.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. A genius. Right. Um Yeah, it it it's a real it's a real shame. It's 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 a kind of a cautionary tale, I suppose, for for for, for directors. Um it's it's like But
0: the... I mean what what did what did he what did he do? Like I'm I'm hesitant to place the failure of this. I mean, obviously the script was nowhere near as good to begin with, but yeah. I'm hesitant to blame Brest for what this movie became. No,
3: I, 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 no I, I, I think we should, though. Okay. Because if
0: you wrote it, he wrote that terrible character that Justin
3: Bartha <laughs> had to play, Brian. He wrote the whole thing about how it's about turning a lesbian. Like, these are offensive. This is 2003. It's not 1973 on. And somebody should have stopped him. Somebody should. When that went through all the changes that we know films go through, that can't be, like, the first time everyone, you know, had a look at it was the final product. Nobody stepped in and said, come on stop like that's that is it's it's horrific and it should lie at his feet because he wrote the bloody thing and it's humorous really
1: oh yeah not it's just the word the exact word i was thinking of because it it reminds me of that new yorker cartoon of the dog in the talent agency and he's like the amazing speaking dog and he's like well what i actually want to do is direct um the 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 idea that he's like this great director with uh, with this fabulous talent who who's kind of i suppose spoils his last movie by the this deciding to write a movie very badly i guess and I, like we can't really um place the writing um um On on anyone else, like I guess we'll we'll probably get into specifically why the writing is so yeah. bad, but um yeah I mean I mean I don't I don't know if it's particularly badly directed um but but it's it, it it's just it's, very generic. it's Well, it's, it's difficult it's difficult to to direct dependent. like such bad material. I guess like, also how, like. How, how...
3: Is it a Martin Brass film if you don't see somebody at a payphone, uh, like having an absolute stroke on a payphone? Like that is literally one of the hallmarks of his films. Like, and it's like it's 2003. I think everybody had mobiles by then. Like at least,
0: it's just strange. But yeah. So I mean, like there is. I love that. That's what you single out as the, like the landmark out of time <laughs> moment, it's the moment where Ben Affleck uses like a payphone. Yeah, I'll tell you my name.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, forget all the slurs that happened. It's a
0: payphone yeah. that really stuck in my craw. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, that's his auteur um touch. On, on, yes, Spielberg has reading. missing
0: parents and Martin Press has uh, kind of got phones at the side. Uh, Christopher road.
3: Nolan's got his dead wives. We've got <laughs> payphones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, it's fairly gentle as those sort of cliches go. So, Louise, what about yourself? Do you think that this belongs to the list of the 100 worst movies ever made?
2: Um, yeah, but not in a passionate manner. Like I, the thing, the thing that kind of really annoyed me the most was um, with like Jennifer Lopez's character, Ricky. They've decided that she's a smart one, but the only way that she's smart is um, by referencing kind of Vietnamese meditation or showing off her Chinese symbol tattoo or doing type, reading like, a book. Yeah, she's always she always has that book being peace in her hands. Like not no one else in this in this movie reads. Um, but that's just the thing. It's just like the like what Jen was saying, like the amount of edits that it went through and when they were like, OK, let's have her be smart. Would someone smart not have been like, this is what a smart person would say rather than the absolute shite that she is using to defuse those the, like the scene with the teenagers where they are all just like hanging around in the fast food place. That yeah. was, made no sense to me whatsoever, where they just kind of were like, OK, she can defuse a situation that doesn't exist and then we'll just have Ben Affleck smash some double, double. up. It just made it just I was like, what was the point of all this? Like who and were they? who were they trying to make look good there? Because no
3: one looked good. And you see, that's the problem with the writing because it was all, at this time, it was all post-Tarantino, like the whole Get Shorty style as well. And that was, you can see that horrible influence on his writing in it. And that scene sticks out like a sore thumb because you're like, that just doesn't, there's no reason for it. And it just, it, it meanders on and it's just this point of being, wow, she's so cool. And it sounds like something that, you know, a student, Filmmaker would would have Ethan Tarantino, and it's like that's not Martin Brest, or it shouldn't be,
1: but it is. (laughs) It's like the. A a bad um, scriptwriter would put a character who has a Word a Day dictionary into their scripts because they have a Word a Day dictionary. <laughs> and, the, uh, like, and no, the, not to get like, too
0: specific about it, it. the problem it seems, is that all the characters have Word a Day calendars. Yeah, no, the, but that's
1: all... that's what I'm saying. It's really c- clear clear that the I don't know. It's it's like the the for I don't know the, I, I love Midnight Run and I love. Um, uh, Beverly Hills Cop. In fact, I love all three Beverly Hills Cops if I'm being honest, but um, this this is not a well-written movie, and 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 that's okay, because like he only wrote one. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and then just retired. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, it's such you know, a weird legacy. Never yeah, gonna best like,
0: this, he says, as he pushes it across the table. Never gonna
3: breast it.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. Come on! <laughs> a fifteen-year-old boy would would write this movie, yeah, because yes. like they would and suggest, had. and a, yeah, they would suggest several female female male threesomes, <laughs> in, in, in in their movie, you know, um, they they they, they would they would come up with the yeah, there's so much yeah so in this that that's that yeah that it's like t-
0: if the male gaze had a monologue and just kept talking for two hours that would be what wrote this script it's it's really yeah it's something but even like
2: okay. having not even like passing the script i know jennifer lopez was in the movie certainly in the movie but like was the script ever handed to a woman number one a woman number two ever to a lesbian to just be like does any of this check out and then yeah. also the bit any uh, anyone living with an intellectual disability or anyone who knows someone with an intellectual disability because that is just all oh, so <laughs> horrific that entire character that i just can't believe that anyone was like okay this film should definitely see the light of day like that is by far the most offensive thing about everything involved in this
0: do you want me to make this worse
1: please always (laughs) okay this this indescribably bad special needs comedy make it worse
0: somehow make it worse Martin Brest had actually worked with people with disabilities um, in his teens and young adulthood and actually based the character in this movie off his experiences with them, according to the production notes of this film. Oh, so he kidnapped them? Yes, apparently. Um... I don't know whether or not he knew anybody involved in the Jersey mob in California, but yeah, that's that's something that really stuck out to me was because I was watching it and I had a similar reaction. There is no way anybody here has maybe watched Rain Man once or twice. That's what I took from watching the movie. It's like yeah, yeah. he watched Rain Man.
1: Um but Except no apparently the, the person who played Brian didn't didn't watch Rain Man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know but, but...
0: <laughs> Justin Bartha, yeah. It's yeah, a touch yeah. of
3: it's it's like movie star movie like acting film disability um touch of the forest gumps that's what it is it's horrific
0: all right then and then andrew what about yourself do you think this is one of the worst 100 movies ever made
1: yeah sure because because it's terrible (laughs) and because like people should see this at the same
0: time yeah (laughs) i think so too uh, very quickly then, Jen, is it one of the worst 100 movies you've ever seen? Uh,
3: yeah, I mean, I've watched some shite, definitely, but it's up there. And it's up there because like, I've I've seen it. I mean, just the Christopher Walken scene I've seen more than once, but I have seen it a couple of times, and that's my bad. Um, So, yeah, it is one of the worst films I've ever seen in my entire life. And and that includes any films that I've been brought to see, you know, that I didn't want to see, or, or terrible student films, or... Yeah, pretty wow. much anything. It's 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 rotten. It really is yeah. rotten. And it, like, it is. It's it's too long as well. Even if it was short, I probably wouldn't be as hard in it. But like, it takes a lot out of your day to watch the full film, and you you probably shouldn't do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, especially when the sun is shining, Darren. Yeah, that's. Yes, this is all my fault. I apologise, actually, to all three of our panellists for this. Um, but yes, it was the Washington Post who described it, um, and I believe quoting John Locke as nasty, brutish, and long was how they summed up the movie. What about yourself, Louise? Uh, do you think that... Is this one of the worst 100 films you have ever seen?
2: Yeah, yeah. It would be probably, probably like, 97 or something like that. But because there's just nothing redeemable about it. Like, even... like you, do, I'm not laughing at any point at the bad bits. Or, like, you can't... You know that none of them, even though they apparently fell in love, it doesn't seem like anyone had fun on set. There doesn't seem to be any love for what's going on. And even when Jennifer Lopez delivers that terrible gobble gobble line, I was just like looking for some glint in either of their eyes for them to be like, this is ridiculous. But yet, nothing. Like everything they were doing just seemed to go over their heads. So, like, you can't even. Like, I wouldn't even recommend anyone to listen to it to hate or to watch it to hate it because I just don't think you get anything out of it. Like, you're just what a waste of everybody's time. That's what I would, that would be my <laughs> summary of it all. <laughs>
0: The people who worked on it, the people who watched it, the people who wrote it, the people who re edited it, the people who rewrote it, the people who reshot it, everybody's, everybody's time. Everybody's
2: time. They should all be like they should all be given like reparations for everything that they had to go through with this. Not not the high paying cast members, um, but like the the crew and the staff runners. Just they all yeah, they they, they their dues need to be given back.
3: It's like jury duty when you go on like a big <laughs> murder trial and then you're, you know, exempt from any other kind of jury duty. You never have to do another film like this ever again. Yeah. Maybe they,
0: could, they never have to pay
2: tax again. Just something. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so I guess I was, I was going to have a follow up question there on that, but I guess that's kind of already answered, which is this won't make that I know who killed me kind of sweet spot then. No, of, of a good movie, a good bad movie
2: like I Know Who Killed Me is hilarious like it really is um like that's certainly a movie that you're kind of like did did a 16 year old write this but in the worst possible way it's like a 16 year old emo wrote that um <laughs> and it's just and then Jennifer L- or Lindsay Lohan it's just like yeah this is deep and you're like oh Lindsay your version of deep is so different <laughs> to everybody else's so no I Know Who Killed Me incredible this just like really unremarkable
0: um and Andrew is it among the worst 100 movies that you've ever seen
1: um I I don't know like I, I I feel I feel like there are probably a lot worse movies I, I, I think you 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 mentioned Fantastic Four earlier the the uh recent remake that for some reason is one that kind of jumps to my mind of just um kind of hate watching but also never wanting to see it again um, I don't. I'm. I might. I think if I had a friend who likes these kinds of movies, I would. I w- I, w- I would sort of suggest it. I would say, "Hey, have you seen Geely?" Um, and but having said that,
0: hate hate watching. <laughs> That's a true friend.
1: <laughs> yeah, the. the um, you can't really recommend hate watching as a as a good business model, like as as this as this movie shows like the, the 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 amount of people who are going to watch a movie that is known to be terrible is it turns out is not that great so um <laughs> but yeah but I, I i don't know if i'd have it on 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 the 100 worst movies i've ever seen but probably probably
0: and then finally and i guess then i can probably already answer this but jen if listeners have not already seen julie if they have not even seen that scene with Christopher Walken talking about ice cream no. would you recommend You're depriving yourself if you haven't seen that Christopher Walken scene because it's one of,
3: I don't know, I just, I really love it so much because for me that bit is like he'd walked in off the set of Twin Peaks and just forgot where he was, and then did this amazing monologue that you don't know where the hell this is going, and then just leaves. It's breathtaking. I adore it with all my heart. So is it breathtaking? It's breathtaking. That's, that's what's gonna happen when if this poor man passes away. That's what the headline's gonna be. But um, So I would say, yeah, everybody needs to watch it in their lifetime. And I think if you're going to make a film or if you're writing a film, you have to watch this film Because you have to know what not to do and how not to do your dialogue and how not to edit stuff as well. I mean, the editing is really bad. Like, And how to pace a film and how to structure a film. Just do the opposite of what happens here. I mean, and also just watch Al Pacino at the end, who lights up my life. Like when he appears, I just feel so happy because he appears and completely denigrates the whole concept of the film he wanders in and it's like why did you do this that was stupid and I'm like why weren't you here two hours ago Al you could have prevented any of this which is the most ludicrous scene in the film and I adore it and I love him in it and I, I mean he really did Martin Breast a solid so yeah I think everybody should watch it just for those two scenes definitely and, it's too nice, and I
0: too kind of so yeah, they <laughs> yeah. do. And they kind of space evenly across the film. It is worth noting, actually, that, again, I love from the production notes, there's Christopher Walken talking about working on the film. And he talks about, again, the joy that he had working with Martin Bress. And it's like, some directors, they don't give you the space you need that you think you want. And you leave not knowing that you did your best. With Marty, he lets me do all it takes. I go home at the end of the day. I don't know if it's good, but I know I did my best. Um, which I think is, is probably as, as adequate a sentiment as one might look for.
1: I feel like that was probably a good um, instinct from Martin Bress. is like, let Chris Walken and do as much as he can to save this turkey. <laughs> well, we'll <laughs> the movie. Build
3: it around him. It's funny. Yeah, yeah
1: <laughs> Exactly. Yeah.
3: I wish it, I, I mean to be on set that day just when he was going through the whole thing and how many takes he how many takes he wanted to do that, good God. And that that's what they came away with as well, which is, is truly special. <laughs>
0: um, and Louise what about yourself? I think you already answered this, but would you recommend people watch this?
2: Probably, yes, for like a timeline of celebrity culture imploding on itself. I think that that would be the wise thing. Or like people getting caught up in the craze of celebrity couples because like this is not the first time and certainly not the last time that there's going to be a big cash cow out of a celebrity couple and we're all forced to suffer through it. But yeah, it hasn't um, enriched or lessened my life by any means. So uh, that's the just the trait of
0: a meh film, isn't it? Completely <laughs> leave, value I, neutral.
2: I leave with nothing.
0: Um, and what about yourself Andrew
1: Uh, like I'm inclined to agree with 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 Jen that this should be shown in schools and (laughs) (laughs) no um yeah, I, I mean, like like I said, get get the standard def. Uh, <laughs> Why specifically the standard ra- def? Because <laughs> it costs okay. a euro extra. Yeah, don't <laughs> spend an extra euro getting a high def version of this terrible movie. That, but oh um, but yeah, Chris Walken is is so um, uh, so incredible in in this. I think that if this was released now, it might do even worse. That like like all that kind of like the 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 Gal Gadot thing, which which was you know it was, it was supposed to be this sort of like oh the um, Imagine yeah it was meant to be this you know harmless kind of just like a, a Twitter video that was meant to go down really well and it's like a complete no brainer people are going to love this, and everybody um, hated us <laughs> uh, the. Yeah. Imagine if they were to make this movie today, it yeah. would, um, it, I, 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 by the way, they didn't have Twitter when this movie came out. <laughs> um, yeah. And it, you remember, it used to be a thing where you would text. <laughs> but I do think what they
3: should do is show it, on a double bill and show Midnight Run as well. If you're ever going to watch it and
0: just, which goes first,
3: like, well, I'd say Midnight Run goes first and then Julie, and then to teach like film students or whatever, This, you know, how you can fall so far from grace if you take, if you become an egotist or you believe that you can do everything and you can rely on yourself, that you need good writers and you need good editors and you need good eyes in your film and you need a good cast and good actors. And, you know, Ben Affleck is not that person
1: and good music as yes. well Like if, if, you, oh, you, yeah. any music if in. you had the Beverly if you had the Beverly Hills Cup team in this it might have been better
0: <laughs> as opposed to <laughs> the really cloying Forrest Gump sentimentality stuff that you have going on oh, and I again we'll it. talk about some of this when we get into the spoiler zone because there are some very interesting choices about where the score decides oh, yeah. to pull your heartstrings <laughs> there, <yes.
3: laughs> one particular <laughs> line in, like, yeah, like yeah, 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 a choice
0: yeah. um, <laughs> a very very strong choice Um, It is worth... uh, kind of. Oh, in terms of production, though, you did mention the existence of Twitter, actually. And this was actually one of the things around the release of the movie, where apparently inside Sony, there were heated debates about what to do with the film, about whether or not to start showing sneak previews of it, to run more test screenings of it, and to try and stay ahead of online buzz. Because this was, although it predated Twitter, it was in kind of the early days of the web. And you had Ain't It Cool News... And as much as I'm very hesitant to do this, I will probably include some links to coverage of the Ain't It Cool News coverage um, of the kind of stuff that was going on. So leaks yourself and pr- Ain't It Cool News have beef, don't you? Well, no, it's more the fact that it's run by Harry Knowles. But anyway, um, but it is also the fact that, like, you had this is. kind of... I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, um, we'll include a link on that in the show notes as well. But the idea is that... Um, you, ha- you had this kind of people who had seen the screenings and were getting out and spreading negatively as well. Like, even before it was released, there was a sense that it was a turkey online and it was kind of circulating. A lot of the coverage that's going on, yeah, it is turkey time, it turns out. Um, but they did, uh, there was a lot of debate inside Sony about how best to handle this. And apparently, according to webmasters running the websites around this time, all the like movieweb.com and the movie report, what they'd see is they'd see emails coming in from addresses they didn't recognize full of praise for the movie from sources that refused to reply to any emails and confirm that they were actual people. So it's been very heavily suspected that this was one of the first attempts to kind of grassroot a multimedia internet campaign for a film. It obviously uh, did not take. The astroturfing did not take, apparently in this case, which I find fascinating. Um, all right then. So I think uh, with that in mind then, we'll segue neatly to the other side of the spoiler zone. His own. So, Louise, what is Geely about for you? Geely
2: is uh, really about how, when an ego goes off track and no one can control it when it should have been snapped off at the very start.
0: Um, there's a wonderful quote I think Jen pointed to from a New York Times review from A.O. Scott, which I think is absolutely beautiful. Um, do you have it there, Jen? Um, I'm just trying to find it. I don't think I do
3: have it. Hi. Do you have it? Hold on. Hi. Oh wait, that's the Hollywood Reporter ad.
0: There are so many bad reviews to choose from, it turns out. Um,
3: Well, I mean, no, the only thing I have is that lovable movie disabled syndrome. That was from the A.O. Scott review, talking about Justin Barthas' performance, which is great. Um, But I don't have the other one now. Sorry.
0: A.O. Scott described it as a hopelessly misconceived exercise in celebrity self-worship, which I think kind of really speaks to it, because it very much does feel like it's designed around the idea that you love Jennifer Lopez, you love Ben Affleck. Surely you should love them both together, despite the fact that, as we pointed out, they have no charisma whatsoever. And I think that Lopez is probably better in this movie, even though I'm not sure she's great, but nobody would be. But Affleck is terrible. There's and a the- real um,
2: Justin Timberlake, Janet Jackson, Super Bowl vibe to it all, where I think if it was released now, there would be a real justice for JLo. Uh, campaign because like she was she was done nasty after this in the same way that Janet Jackson was whereas
0: Ben just went on scot-free yeah went on to make Daredevil and various other cinematic crimes but, uh, the but thing also is that- can
3: you just Ben Affleck was coming off of being absolutely torn
0: asunder in Pearl Harbour as well though from this and don't forget Phantoms he was the bomb in *Phantoms*. Yeah,
3: and I think A.O. Scott says that in that New York Times review. I think that's how he starts it. He was like, "You thought he was bad in *Pearl Harbor*, we'll wait and you see his performance <laughs> in this." Like, and I think Ben Affleck, I think he thinks acting is pushing his tongue <laughs> under his li- lip, under his lower lip. He thinks that's acting, and that he does this face, that face throughout the whole film, and it's just like every time I saw him from the stupid red shirt to like. Just the minute he opens up the door, I was just like, you're you're not Jack Walsh. You're not Robert De Niro in Midnight Run. And stop it. Just stop it now. Like, I just. So punchable.
0: That's exactly what I thought. Actually, I was wondering if the role was originally written for a younger Robert De Niro. If, because again, it has that very Rain Man vibe to it, and it's the you know written by Martin Brest. So part of me is wondering if Brest had kind of been hoping to write this since the mid '80s, when Rain Man was a huge hit, and I kind of envisaged doing basically like a midnight run with Robert De Niro um, in the title role. Because you can kind of like, and you can see that in Affleck's performance with the kind of Jersey thing going on. Even though it's he's supposed of... to be in
3: LA, for some reason, he's a big Jersey accent. And he shouts all the time. Like he, this whole thing where he's just shouting constantly. And that's that's his way of acting his way through it, which is just a phenomenal performance. <laughs> <laughs> in
1: in all the best possible, possible ways. Yeah. <laughs> He does that thing that all us men do as well, which is, like, look at themselves in the mirror and, like, flex your muscles. <laughs> and, and, and and lift a weight, which I say, really appreciate, a you're, single you're, weight. You're, you're, you're a bull. <laughs> you got that horn. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's, yeah, this is a lifestyle movie. Uh, you kind of, you know, go out and buy yourself a leather jacket and get some brill cream and and, and Wear we,
0: bowling shirts
1: yeah 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 go to the but I think works. that's
0: a real like
3: nod to like Get Shorty. There's something yeah. about it that makes me think he wrote it maybe he wrote it initially back in the time as you were saying of like Rain Man, then a post Tarantino <laughs> post Get Shorty yeah. did it again. Rewrote it and and then it developed into this because that Ben Affleck character is this amalgamation of a bad impression of Robert De Niro in Midnight Run and John Travolta in Get Shorty, like a kind of really misogynistic version of John Travolta in Get Shorty, which is surprising because that film is kind of misogynistic. But <laughs> so like it's an amalgamation of the two and it, he's a it's a, he's a monster. He's an absolute monster. And he has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. And I don't know how you're supposed to empathize with him at all in it.
2: I get the real vibe that his carpets would be really sticky in that apartment.
3: <laughs> that's not the only thing that's sticky in that apartment,
0: I'll tell you. <laughs> there's a smell, but no, everybody's too polite to mention it. Um.
2: Like the
3: one, There's one moment in it where you're supposed to, I think, feel sorry for him, where they're outside in the car uh, when they come from his mom's house. And actually, I think he touches his mom's breast as well as her butt yeah. in it. There's a lot of edible right. stuff there. He's saying, I'd just like to go somewhere where there's no bad stuff. I uh, like we go to the south or something, and Jennifer like a clean like, place. Yeah, a that sounds great, place. and it's like, what? This man has had zero emotional depth. This is literally the the tiniest thing he's given you, and it's like, yeah, wow, this guy he has emotions. Who'd have thunk it? Um, and there's just no payoff there, and I just he's just so one dimensional, so wooden. Uh, it, it's I don't oh. know how he had a career after this.
0: Well, you see he's still been from the block. Don't be fooled he's by still- the rocks that he got. I wish no. you had
3: been killed by the Roxidian.
0: Oh. <laughs> that was the first moment
1: that I thought he was going to drive his convertible into a truck. <laughs> um and uh, the funny thing about that character is like while it's a very bad ca- character, it's not a, it's not a bad character compared to the bad casting. <laughs> like you even have like people in the movie like um uh, voicing um how like, how bad he is at, at at being the character he's playing. Like, you've, you uh, like...
0: Uh, Lewis repeatedly doesn't trust him to do the yeah, job. He's and like, it's like, you're, that...
1: well, you're you're meant to be some sort of, like, mad dog. I, I totally don't buy you as <laughs> this
0: person. How did um, he get
1: that job in the first place? <laughs> I know. I
0: mean, the entire criminal organization, Stockman, shows up and he's like, hey, how did Lewis get his job either? Um, after one of the most horrible long-winded monologues, I mean, I think Jen mentioned like the beauty of that scene is Al Pacino showing you showing up and telling you the movie sucks and the movie makes no sense and the movie is yeah. just one big long shaggy dog story. I but
3: love no, but, but, Al Pacino just shouting, "I don't give a <laughs> sh over and over again." Neither like, <laughs> do we, Al. Neither <laughs> do we. Thank you for freeing us. Like, it's so amazing. Like, and then he says, "When an, like this is like when an individual just doesn't give a." <laughs> and I was like, "You've summed up the whole film." It's fantastic
0: i mean but the worst thing about that sequence though is the fact that that entire sequence is also incredibly pointless and filled with <laughs> these tangents that way like he has this big opening monologue about what is a thumb or a, is a thumb a thi- a finger and you looked it up and what did it say? Tell me what it but said. But this Lewis. is
3: like Tarantino the ear <laughs> uh, reservoir oh, dog uh, stuff yeah. like which is just like it's too fine. obvious but and it, terrible like but, but it's, it's the
0: same thing every other character has been doing and the same thing that Stockman is kind of like ripping into the other characters for doing. I know. So even yeah. as he's criticizing them the movie yeah. like is like so gleefully unaware of itself. The it's the dramatic irony
1: is rich in this movie as well, because like you have you have um, uh, Ricky Jennifer Lopez character saying, "I don't I don't want to be a brutal street talk." and it's like <laughs> we <laughs> never thought you wear one <laughs> that's yeah you were that's what you were supposed to be but you're not <laughs> like
0: um i guess it's really good
1: that you don't want to be job <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah yeah don't worry the movie you're will be over dream. soon yeah um, um
0: okay well hold on but i get the sense before we delve further into this discussion we should probably talk a little bit about the original version of Geely. Uh, the version that did not make it to screens that was cut down after test audiences rejected it uh contains a number of changes um The most obvious change, or the most immediate change, is that, as Jen alluded to, the clean place um, that uh, Geely aspires towards was actually foreshadowed and set up. Uh, Quite early on in the film, there's a sequence of him staring out on the road and then it kind of flashes to him on a beach. And so later on, when he mentions the clean place, you're supposed to know what that is. That was apparently cut because it wasn't funny and it, it felt like it was a bit pretentious. Second thing, we were all talking about how Ricky and Rochelle isn't at all convincing as a street thug. That's because in the original cut she wasn't this is the big game changing reveal it turns out she's actually the girlfriend of the henchwoman that Lewis had hired to supervise um, Geely and she'd gone over, she'd gotten the message on the voicemail and she decided, and again I don't know if this is better I'm not saying this is better, to be absolutely clear. She was having trouble in her relationship due to Sarah, which is alluded in the cut that we have here. So she decided what she'd do is she would immerse herself in her partner's world. Like, do her job for a day, basically. And so, took this job, wandered over, and basically kind of inserted herself into the life. That's why you get the whole, according to the original version of the film, that's why you get the whole, and we'll talk about this in a moment, weird lesbian girlfriend shows up, suggests a threesome with ben affleck and slits her wrist (laughs) wrist sequence which i mean to be honest if somebody had proposed a threesome with ben affleck um but no um sorry that was bad days um, it's they
1: it's one of those situations in the movie where like if they were you know clever criminals they could have rescued that situation by just getting her to cut her thumb off instead like the like if you really want to prove your love to me, um no, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh
0: but um basically so yes, yeah, so she reveals at the end that she's actually not a tough street thug, surprising absolutely nobody. And that scene was obviously cut because audiences didn't like it. Originally, what was gonna happen was she would ask Geely to go away with her. He would say no, he had to see this thing through to the end, and she would leave and that would be the end of their relationship. Geely would take um Brian with him and would hand him over to Christopher Walken's character the detective who despite the fact that like Stockman has been saying all offence closing ranks everybody looking for this kid apparently only one single no cough was looking for him <laughs> yeah. like, <only> one. <laughs> one single co- <laughs> Yeah, he really oh, no. didn't
3: feel like any sense of urgency <laughs> like about this yeah. he was just one standing single... <laughs> in the kitchen watching cartoons he was having a great time
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. one single cough stops by an apartment on his morning coffee run and that's about it as far as anybody's concerned but apparently yes he would arrange to hand brian back to the cop however it would turn out the cop was actually secretly working for stockman because everybody's corrupt but apparently Walkin got some nice big monologue moments in there Aww. and he got he got yeah i know and not only that he got to shoot geely in the gut so oh wait it gets better it gets better in the original ending um, and again, in the the ending in the theatrical cut, you'll notice that they go to the Baywatch, and I suspect we'll talk about going to the Baywatch in a moment. But like they're driving down the road, and Brian's like, "It's the Baywatch! It's the Baywatch! It's open! It's open! It's open!" And Geely's like, "No, no, no! We got to do other stuff." That was apparently earlier in the film in the original cut. So after after Geely's been shot, he gets Brian back in the car, takes him back to the Baywatch. And basically lets Brian kind of wander down to the beach into the middle of the shooting scene as he lies dying in the sand. <laughs> Gee, and that's why... That's why I Pay like, to watch uh, that one now. <laughs> oh, no, no. It gets even better. It gets even better because in that moment, as he's lying dying in the sand while Brian is chatting up the Australian bird. And you'll notice, by the way, they use the original footage because they couldn't get Bartha back to reshoot it. So Brian looks really uncomfortable. He looks like he's looking at a man dying in the beach. <laughs> um, that's because they couldn't get uh, Bartha back for reshoots. So, uh, And I love that Bartha was the weak link there. It's like, we can get Affleck, we can get Lopez, but Bartha's he's schedule is just here. too tight. <laughs> yeah, um, But Affleck goes apparently, yeah. So Geely lies dying on the beach, gazes out at the sunset, sees the beautiful blue ocean the Pacific and has that kind of flashback to the clean place that he wanted to be in at the start of the movie. Wow. Yeah, so that was the original cut of the film. And apparently that tested terribly. So, uh, so that, surprisingly.
1: That maybe Sorry, sounds Andrew. better. I'm not sure. <laughs> um... <laughs> Think, but it does fix a there's, lot there's of the holes walking in it as well like, yeah.
3: because but it's a less El Pacino what, then what, <laughs> which way <laughs> is it way <weighing> out because <laughs> I, I was getting to the point when I was watching it that I just enjoyed the fact that somebody was shouting at them because I, you know, and I liked the fact <laughs> yeah. that Al Pacino was just shouting in their faces. Because at that stage, I was like, "Well, they
0: deserve this." So you want to go to medical school, Lewis? Bang! <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was pretty. That was pretty
0: good as a lion. Like- you
3: know what it did remind me of, though, and I thought, "Oh, this is a thing as well." It was a little bit like this scene in Boogie Nights um, with the firecrackers, uh, where they go to is it Alfred, Alfred Molina? Where yeah, he has the so. yeah that bit like it kind of was a little it just reminded me a little bit of that and I was thinking is that a thing where just like he, you know he could turn <laughs> at any minute. Because yeah. you're, you're kind of going, which way is this going? And I was like, that does remind me, like, insane that Boogie Knights is absolute genius and this was just ripping yes. it off. I mean, I don't mean like they're <laughs> parallel. Like, <laughs> no, no. Just Moments to make that American clear. <laughs> like, yeah.
0: Martin Bress had his finger on the cinematic pulse, as it were.
3: <laughs> I think that, but I think that maybe Al kind of looks a bit like Alfred Molina, a tiny bit in that scene, or he also With looks, looks very, hair, he looks like Mark Maron. Like he looks very like Mark Maron in that scene, I think so. Maybe there's, that was just there, in my mind.
1: A, I think for me, I feel like part of the reason the, the movie did, didn't work was that there, there's a sense in a good movie of a sort of a necessity to what's happening. Like, 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 like the, there's somebody knocking on the door and you really don't want to open the door, but you absolutely have to. But in this movie, there's no reason... For, for anything. For, 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 for anything. Like, why open the door? Like, I'm really glad he did and, <laughs> and let Christopher Walken in. But it, it's like, no, sorry, it's a bad time. And it's like, I'm the police. And it's like, do you have a warrant? But <laughs> also, no, I think, then... Christopher
3: Walken makes, his character makes one of the only good points in the film because... Ben Affleck is so bloody tall that I didn't realize how tall he was, and he chooses to look through the spy hole every time he looks through a door in the in the film, even in his mom's house. And before he opens the door to Christopher Walken, Christopher Walken is like, "Your door is not heavy enough for you to pretend that you're not home." And like, I think that was the only good line really in the film that I was like, "Well, that's that's good, that's good." But uh, you know, that's a truism.
1: <laughs> and the whole like the idea as well of 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 him saying. Um... All the guys at the station think that whoever <laughs> would have done this would have gotten out of town, but I guess it's not that kind of movie. So, um, <laughs> okay. so I'm here for some reason. Yeah, um, Drinking,
0: folding a cup of coffee. I love that he folds the paper cup of coffee after he's finished with really it. Really good, great.
3: heavy cup acting thank you yeah. because it's so many people are really re- bad at it he does it so well he does that swallow really well while he's like cutting up like he's crumpling up the cup brilliant the man is just a master class
1: one reminds scene. me of another chris Walken movie that i'm going to recommend when 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 we get to that section um uh-huh. when we get to the end which hopefully we're close to <laughs> god we spent an hour talking about this movie yeah yeah, yeah. That yeah. is, uh, yeah, that is what tends to happen. <laughs> uh,
0: but very quickly, in terms of talking about the film itself, do we want to talk about the weird sexual politics of it, the chasing Amy Two aspect of it, the weird Ben Affleck we, seduces a lesbian kind of quality to it? We're is...
1: we going to talk about J Lo's most desirable camel toe. Uh, <laughs> like the the her monologue is all about her vagina. Um, in 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 this movie and um yeah it's it's i i guess it's interesting i, w- I was like l- l- looking at it like J- j-lo's sexuality in this movie is just interesting anyway like I and i i guess it's all in the script like because i was looking at it and i was like what the hell is going on because i was thinking has j-lo made a choice that her character wants to fucking <laughs> mom and i was like no no
0: no it's in the scripts <laughs> yeah because the script has that weird again that this weird sexual politics the oedipal ness of that sequence is really 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 uncomfortable because it's like he's injecting you know obviously her insulin into her, into her ass she's wearing a thong the angle is very clear to make she's wearing sure she's wearing a thong then she comes in introduces you know JLo's character ricky rochelle and there's that weird flirtation thing and then as jen pointed out he like touches her boob um all of these are choices, and all of them are very strange. Um, It's very, very uncomfortable. And again, there's the whole thing. Like, the movie's got this weird preoccupation with gender. Like, to what extent are we supposed to think the movie thinks that its characters are full of crap and to what extent do we think that the movie thinks it's like a, an earnest examination of the, like, I don't know, gender divide, where you have but that... It's not
1: earnest. You can't con- if you accuse it of being earnest. Like, it, it, parts of it are stolen from, from things. It's a very lazy kind of examination of 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 whatever it's seeking to examine it's like, even little bits like the, the 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 thing about checking your fingernails that was stolen from third rock from the sun uh the, the um um like little 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 things like that um it's just like no you, you can't say it you can't say it's earnest Um, no, no. But the music, the
0: music builds, like, I mean, that sequence, that six-minute sequence in which Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez discuss the relative merits of the penis versus the vagina. And again, it's a very strange sequence for a number of reasons, not just the reasons that I summarized there describing as a six-minute scene, talking about the penis and the vagina, but the choices in terms of how it's framed. The fact that he seems to have directed Affleck to play it like a cartoon, where he's talking about the frontier and he's like gesticulating really weirdly while she is doing yoga um and yeah. again, but again the, like the weird, he
1: the, he doesn't realize either that he's gonna have to defend himself later on from being gay so so like, like he he goes on on this like kind of love song about penises and and how fantastic they are. Um, <laughs> And it would seem that, like the point at which to 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 maybe ask, like um, uh, Larry, is like, are you sure you're you want to have sex with me? <laughs> kind of, you know, um, yeah. I don't know. They are. It, it's it. Yeah, the chemistry. The chemistry is with the, each other. Yeah, but it's a very strange scene.
0: And the point that, like, it all builds to a moment where, like, she says, I guess this is my roundabout way of saying it's women who are, in fact, the most desirable form. Wouldn't you agree? And the weird kind of focus on his face, the swallow, and kind of the almost cartoonish, I agree, as the, like, music swells on the background. And we're meant to, like, look at that moment and see, oh, my God, they have made a romantic connection. It's such terribly judged it's so terribly 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 judged
3: and there's a zoom in on her crotch at that moment
0: yeah with the yoga pants um which is all incredibly vaguely creepy as well yeah it's all it's all but it's it's
3: It's sexual politics are just terrible like there's no two ways about it like it literally is about masculinity and about like turning a lesbian which is just ridiculous like as you were saying you know in the mold of chase and amy like but worse uh the it is just so dumb um and i've never seen like it feels to me like so antiquated like it it wasn't made in that era at all because it just i mean it seems like something that you know would be a a theme for like you know a roman polanski film like it doesn't feel like a theme for a nice you know rom-com in the 2000s and I also love uh, the scene where they're outside the hospital um, and this is another point where the music swells where she talks about sucking his cock for 12 hours and all of oh, a sudden yeah. these sympathetic violins come in and they're blokes staring at each other <gasps> googly eyed and it's like what the hell is this um I just I just think it's so offensive as well that she ends up having sex with him anyway. Like I just think it's horrific. Yeah,
1: that's what, what happens by the way when it when it cuts. I was thinking kind of they're finally gonna lie down, she's gonna suck his cock for twelve hours, then they're gonna fall asleep presumably, and discover that special Jack <laughs> is nowhere to be seen and he's gone and they shouldn't have had all that sex.
3: Like <laughs> that would make sense. They're... That would
1: make more sense. <laughs> Yeah, the, 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 there's like no point where where Brian can't escape, ever. Well, <laughs> just, just very quickly um, before
0: we move off the sexual politics points, it's worth noting that the studio itself apparently uh, made an effort to disguise her sexuality, um, disguise the fact that he was gay. In fact, that was apparently very heavily cut down from the original theatrical cut or the original intended cut, but also in terms of advertising as well. If you watch the trailer, the trailer for... Uh, geely is a fascinating artifact because it's all like it makes it seem like a very conventional romantic comedy it's like oh you're not my type wink wink or you know oh i'm not really available at the moment um or i wouldn't want to let the seeds of hope sprout on full ground and it, the whole kind of the movie plays it as this weird rom-com thing and kind of like apparently this was one of the things the studio really 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 wanted to downplay the fact that she was gay Um, And it's really, really, really disconcerting and really odd in 2003, as Jen pointed out. But
3: it felt like, for me, it felt like there was the whole thing where, you know, they wanted it to be like the back and forth, the uh, opposites attract kind of banter. But then... For a moment, I thought, well, wouldn't it, is Jennifer Lopez just saying that she's gay just to put Ben Affleck off in it, like Ben Affleck's character off, which would be something to do if you're in that situation, which is, you know, a fairly dangerous situation to be in um and then you're just thinking to yourself because he is so aggressively masculine and he's so aggressive with her and all he does is shout and calls her like a cow within their yeah, yeah. first like t- half an hour with with the inference that he's a bull he's a bull i was thinking is this going to, like, is this yet again in, like, Roman villa I was like, he's just going to rape her, this is just going to be a horrific film where he just rapes her because that is, like, all it is, is he is just, like, her character is just seen to his eyes as nothing but a sexual being, there is no, he doesn't get to know her in any kind of way in any kind of depth and she has that one thing that she finds attractive about him just about going to the nice place or whatever and um, when she kind of relents like on the day out or was it the day before she relents but you know that's all it is it's just hyper sexualized it's so overly masculine that it it's it couldn't even be a romantic comedy because it's overly masculine it's so overwhelmingly masculine it's uncomfortable it's uncomfortable viewing in that way and that's not the kind of film that you think would be made by a couple that were crazy about each other where there's this like element this underbelly of like it's it's seamy and kind of like reductive I don't know again, oh, yeah. and
0: again not to give breast a pass on this because again that element was all there in the original draft that he wrote but the original draft that he wrote was apparently much more focus- focused on Geely himself and didn't end up with the two of them getting together and basically sort of like it was meant to be a study of Geely himself the idea of making it a rom-com and pushing it towards a rom-com came from the, the kind of you know realising that ben affleck and jennifer lopez were stars and were celebrities and were a couple and so that was kind of heavily rewritten and heavily reworked during production to make it that way uh which again i think maybe gets at that weird thing that jen's noting where like geely is like a serial killer yeah like there's no way like if you were to discover the ruin under those floorboards you would not be at all surprised his house is very sparse so
3: i was thinking you know what is he what are those wardrobes like yeah
1: I I kind of found him interesting as as a character. Like i i i I. He's like, like Matt he Dillon's
3: is... character in the House that Jack Built, the Lars von Trier film.
1: Yeah, it's actually so he, terms he, of Serial Killer. Yeah, <laughs> but, like the thing that kind of got across to me is how depressed he is, and how much he he hates himself and his life, and how terrible he is at his job. Like there are several scenes of him like kind of waking up and seeming really tired and not wanting That's just you know, his to, face. <laughs> to get out of bed. Yeah. It, well, yeah, every time I saw him like kind of waking up, it's like it's like he was kind of like, oh, no, not another day why Why do I have to go through this again? At the risk of turning I...
0: this into the dunking on Ben Affleck podcast, I do like that there was an interview with him about working on Batman versus Superman. And he was like, what really drew me to that version of Batman? And he quite literally says, I'm not making this up because Andrew said this. But when Andrew said it, he said...
1: I thought that was a really interesting approach to Batman. If the spirit of that as a guy who's vulnerable, as a guy who aches when he gets up in the morning, as a guy who like, feels a lot of psychological sort of torment, I thought was a really interesting approach to to playing a hero, and I'm like, well, that, that that's interesting that he said that.
3: Well, I can't believe there's like not one but two Ben Affleck films about like women who are ostensibly lesbians and being turned by a, like Ben Affleck's character, which is just that that can't be right. Like it just can't be.
0: Yeah, it's a subgenre. Like it's a little all on of, its own.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And again, like we say that as if like chasing Amy was that long ago. Chasing Amy was only like 1997, so it's quite recent as well.
1: Chasing Amy. It was, a, it was a movie that you and I, Darren, and and, and our friend Kieran saw when we were 15, yes. and I certainly thought, and probably all three of us agreed, that this was a great movie. Yeah, it <laughs> and it's not and, and well. Then, we were very then, stupid and then, then. I, and then I watched it, like, I don't know, like, fucking two or three years later, and I was like, I, it's, um, I was like going out with a girl, and I was like, what do you want to watch? hey, do you want to watch Chasing Amy? I seem to remember that being good. And then putting it on and being like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, That that was was not good.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh You'll notice that chasing Amy was a fixture on the list during its early years. By the way, just to oh provide some other context for this particular conversation, um. But yes, it is kind of interesting that the studio kind of leaned that way. But yes, let's talk about Brian for a little bit then, because I think that's where Andrew was kind of gesturing, um, Christ. in terms of Brian's role in the narrative, played by Justin Bartha, um, and again established Has literally Justin counting done anything
1: I've seen. The the hangover. hangover
0: three on. times yeah, he was...
1: yeah. <laughs> he kidnapped was... three times
0: yeah,
1: yeah. And, oh yeah but the, that's the he kind also of part started...
0: isn't it <laughs> okay take that Justin Barthas he okay. also started no, The New no, Normal yeah, which was pardon. a sitcom that aired on ABC the first I believe gay male couple sitcom that aired on ABC back in 2012 as well um, it lasted a season. Um, but yeah, no. So Barthas, like he's worked fairly regularly. Um, he's never been a breakout star himself. This was his first screen role. He had done a, a lot of theater before this, apparently. Um, but yes, it was. It was this was his breakout role, and you can tell this he could didn't. have
1: been his breakout role,
0: <laughs> <laughs> break in role, as it were, and lock the door yeah, behind him. Yeah,
1: yeah, um, yeah. The the yeah, I mean it. It's kind of. It's not. It's not. It's not easy to watch the movie and not think of the the um. Tropic Thunder. Uh, r- yes, exactly. Yeah, the that's the like it. It's it's definitely the 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 wrong side of 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 that particular. Um,
0: but it's so transparently Rain Man. He's introduced counting seeds. Like, that's literally his establishing character moment is Counting Seeds. So there's a sense in which we have literally not moved on from Rain Man in, you know, in this case, what, the 15 years since Rain Man was released? And it's like, what we're going to do, we're just going to combine it with The Sopranos or Get Shorty or Quentin Tarantino, and that will be enough. And There's
1: nothing, there's there's not that much interesting about, uh, like, it, it doesn't seem to really add an awful lot to...
3: Well, it just makes Ben Affleck's character look a million times worse.
1: Not only is he
3: a complete misogynist, but he's also an absolute (laughs) bollocks. (laughs) who's unfeeling and uncaring and has absolutely no empathy. um, Yeah. And lives in like the 1950s in his head.
0: Um, Just very quickly in in terms of that, again, because of what, what I was thinking about when you mentioned this earlier, the soundtrack and the score. And Jen mentioned specifically the scene in the hospital car park with the "I will suck your dick for twelve hours" as the sympathetic violin soar. But like within that sequence, there's already been two similar kind of music cues. Like there's a sequence where he and um, he and Brian are driving in the car, and Brian's explaining why he wants to go to the Baywatch, and the music builds triumphantly in the background, and he's staring off into middle distance, and he says like. We, we could be friends there and the music continues to build and there's a sense of like the two characters make eye contact it's like well we're having an emotional moment here we're feeling a human connection with one another and then he says that's where the sex is and the music kind of builds to this big emotional crescendo and then he repeats I think that's where the sex is And the kind of violins continue playing as J-Lo and Ben Affleck make heavy eye contact with one another across the car. There's also, again, in terms of that weird tonal whiplash within the film, the film pivots between its three genres within that hospital car park sequence. So as Jennifer Lopez is inside with her girlfriend, seeing her get the bandage wraps, there's the moment where, you know, Ben Affleck goes, what is this, Mental Health Awareness Week? Which is kind of that cynical, dark, twisted, like, dark 90s, politically incorrect comedy, inverted commas. Then it goes to, within the same shot, the music starts swelling. His jaw softens, his eyes wet a little bit, and he says, she is so beautiful. And it's meant to be a moment of, wow, this is actually a romantic comedy. They're having an emotional connection. And then Brian goes, sometimes my pee-pee sneezes. And the violins continue playing on the soundtrack. They do. It's it's so terrible. It's so ill-judged how many people had to say yes to make that happen?
3: Or how many people didn't say stop is probably yeah. more. And like, is this, correct me if I'm wrong. So he says she's so beautiful and they have this kind of moment. Um, is this after they go to the post office or is it before? Before they
0: go to the post office. Okay. So, so is, if you go, to, is,
3: then you cut to them driving from the post office and he shouts at her and calls her a Dicosaurus Rex. Yeah. Yeah, that's, this man's words. And that is like, sorry, a scene from the room. The, that reading that he does of that dialogue when they're in the car on the way back from the post office where he's just literally shouting at her about how hot she is and how great she looks. She's a
0: 17 on a 10 scale and we're meant to be like, oh, look, he's being emotional. Yeah. It's
3: but, like something from the room. The way he delivers that and it's like his acting is appalling in it and i can only say if they had made it the other way round and had made it concentrated on jennifer lopez's character and about this guy landing into her life this absolute bonehead um that would be a more interesting film if they had done it from her perspective it could have saved it could have saved I mean, something
1: that's that's him at his most vulnerable like call call, her call her, calling Dicasaurus her a Rex. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, and again and the, the movie kind of sees this as him being vulnerable. It's like look at him opening up like a flower. But it's really a it's like misogynistic flower.
3: Man cannot understand woman is lesbian. How is this the, the main point of the film? How is this the, the main concept well, of the film?
1: It's not fair, you know? <laughs> Where will my dick go? <laughs> it's like he
3: literally cannot get over this. His mind will not get over this.
0: Sorry, know, actually. is there anything you want to add actually well
2: just the fact that anytime Jennifer Lopez meets another woman in the film it's <laughs> like so first of all there's the flirtations with uh, Ben Affleck's mother which is bizarre and the two of them have a little kiss on the lips um, and then we have the ex-girlfriend who obviously comes along offs herself in a threesome and then there is the woman in the envelope shop I'm going to call it an envelope shop because <laughs> <that's, laughs> they make such a big deal out of buying a f- <laughs> f- envelope and Ben Affleck is like is that a friend of yours just because she's another woman like it's all just so strange like that again it just goes back to the whole thing of like have you ever met another person before who isn't attracted to you ben uh yeah just yeah anger anger is like spewing i
0: do love the idea that it's so sexist it takes racist cliches and kind of makes them like sexist. Yeah. so it's like all women are alike right all women must know each other in their little women clubs where they meet each other. That's apparently the logic on which he operates. I also do like that it's the envelope shop. He didn't even go to Boxes or Us. He went to Envelopes or Us. He it like, he couldn't out. go out. off an
2: at... <laughs> envelope like, ah, thank you. Blood yeah. and paper <laughs> does not mix. And I he the envelope he looks, as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I was just looking at his stupid face and thinking, do <laughs> not lick the envelope. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: yeah. it's it's the face he makes as well that thing like, where
3: he just sticks his tongue under his yes. lower lip like he, someone has punched him in the chin which is what you're all hoping happens several times which doesn't but that's what he thinks is like the face to do and it just shows you like for all the complaints that are made about him like it just shows how good John Travolta is at playing those kind of characters where they are lunkheads and they're idiots and they're misogynistic, but he brings this gravitas to a almost, almost, no, I'm not saying completely, but a believability that it's not and it's not one-dimensional. You you feel that this person has an interior life. Whereas with Ben Affleck, you just think there's Ben Affleck doing a face like he's gonna do an impression of John Travolta. And that's what it feels like for the whole film.
0: I'm thinking about how hateful his version of Greece would be. Sorry. <laughs>
3: yeah, and his, his version of Saturday Night Fever as well, because that's what I was thinking, because of the red shirt. I was just like,
2: yeah. But there's another strange bit from that scene. It's like, why are the envelopes kept behind the counter like they're <laughs> <laughs> Like,
0: And up on the wall. I love that they're like, you
2: can have a point to the envelope you want. Um, yeah, I've never seen such options either. They've <laughs> like, made 20 yeah. different styles. Well, they don't
1: want blood getting on all of their envelopes. I guess. <laughs>
0: Uh, and again, um, the fact they took I, a simple one as well, like they picked like not even one with a lot of stuff. It's plain. It's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, it. I wouldn't have been a better movie if we got to see. Um, a, a person's thumb being removed from a cadaver with a plastic knife. Plastic
3: knife, knife yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, why not use a fork? I don't
3: know. <laughs> <laughs> what did <is> that snap
2: off <laughs> if it was frozen? Exactly. Maybe it
3: wasn't frozen, but uh, solid. But like, wouldn't there also be utensils around the hospital other than well, a plastic tools, knife? Yeah.
1: like? Yeah, he's, he seems to have gotten the worst tool. Yeah, anyway, he is the worst tool. He is the worst tool. Um, <laughs> he is, he is
0: the worst. If the movie makes no other point as well. And again, right. that sequence of Brian rapping. And again, this is one of those awful tone-judged, mo- tone-lock and tone-judged oh. moments. Well, thank you. Um, but where like, you have that big button-cannot-lie sequence where like he's cutting off the thumb. But then later on, when they're driving in the car, you have the spoken rap with, again, the sad moving violin music in the background. And again, if nothing epitomizes weird late 90s, early 2000s culture quite like... A spoken word version of a rap song allows us two to connect on an emotional and spiritual level with one another Uh, as repeated by a character who looks like he's from an 80s after school special. It's, yeah.
3: I mean, uh, also with Brian's character, there is no kind of, obviously it's used, you know, he's a MacGuffin. He's like a cypher. He's just there to facilitate like the other two characters. But like, I don't, the choice that they made to make him intellectually disabled and not, you know, they, they could have very well, the way that it's done, you would think the choices that they do make, I was like, this, this couldn't, this didn't have to go that way or be that story. This could have been a child. This could have been a dog, the way that it's like formulated around yeah, it. it do, why was this choice made? Like, and yeah, why? Because, like, the, the comedy, the comedy in inverted commas that is, that comes from, that character is so horrific that I, that's a choice. That was a, a decision that was made on behalf yeah. of the writer. So you're lying, on lying that on, you know, at Martin Breast's door that he made that specific choice for this character to be made fun of continuously in the film, which is yeah. horrific.
0: And you who led really, him
3: away with that?
0: It's not the really dark reading of the film. It's basically about a man imposing the heteronormative nuclear family on a lesbian and somebody with an atypical neurological condition. It's basically uh, Geely building himself a model of kind of like the heteronormative ideal of an American family, the kind of, you know, wife and and kind of son underneath him, and basically forcing them into that role, even though, you know, they are not people who belong or who kind of integrate into that role for him.
1: But that would work if there was any reason for, like... um... For um no I mean it wouldn't work as a movie yeah but like his scheme <laughs> would 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 work if there was any reason for Rochelle to go along with us like um uh, you know with with Brian he can always hold out the Baywatch and 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 kind of you know um um like he he does he does um he does. He does trick him in the world of the movie because, like, he can he can pretend that his flashlight is a phone, it's a phone. or whatever. Yeah, yeah a walkie yeah. talkie. Um, yeah. But it's just the, like
3: I understand that, but it's just the base cruelty because to move. Yeah between the way that he treats them him at the very start of the film to the end there isn't a bridge there is no gap that's really no. a bridge between those two characters except for the fact that he thinks it's funny that Brian gets boners which is just horrific like
0: yeah that's the level of emotional connection that you have there it's but a moment we're where supposed
3: where, to be cheering like yeah, because it's a rom-com because it's not any other type of film because it is a rom-com we are supposed to be willing these two characters to get together and if anything you're just like I want him to be absolutely annihilated and i want her to run for the hills which is not the way that's not the feelings you're supposed to you know have around rom-coms i just found it inexplicable (laughs) yeah
0: because it's that level of connection it's the moment where he realizes that brian is a person is the moment when he realizes that brian is ringing up the weather service from south South, africa From sorry Australia, Australia, from Australia, because he likes the sound of a girl's voice. That's the moment which the movie, and again the weird tonal thing in the movie where it plays it as this big wholesome moment, where it's like all of a sudden Geely can relate to another human being because that other human being is also horny. Um, like it's it's, it 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 works badly as a piece of writing because it starts
1: with him in the um in the in the center where 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 Brian lives and it seems like Geely is kind of sympathetic to Brian then, you know, like, 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 like you get the sense that Ben
0: Affleck. I assume we're talking relatively, right? We're talking. Yeah. No, but
1: you get the sense that Ben Affleck is trying to play it. Like I'm not such a bad guy rather than being the gruff sort of like, why do I have to be here? Why do I have to deal with this? Sort of thing, like like they they there there's there's a kind of a softness to him, or like a, a a gentleness to him, kind of in 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 that scene, that um isn't kind of like built to, like it's not like Cop and a Half or or Nine where. <laughs> Can I just um, say,
3: every time I'm on this show, we've always mentioned Cop and a Half.
1: <laughs> I, I was like
3: forced to see it when I was little and I hated it and I think I've mentioned it every time or it comes up at some stage so we're going to have to do a cup and a half episode whether you like it or not <laughs>
0: But uh, yeah, no. So um, I think that about wraps up in terms of Julie. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything that we haven't discussed already about the film? Anything jumping out at people? Whether particular line readings, particular scenes, characters that we haven't touched on? I do like the shot of the fish eating the brain in the aquarium. Um, I did like that touch because it was so. I like,
1: I like the very efficient writing of like Al Pacino explaining.
0: <laughs> the
3: whole, <of> the whole <laughs> film is built yeah. on and flimsy also... house of cards. <laughs>
1: Him, him, saying, him saying, like I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't care about anything, and I'm, 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 I'm really compulsive. Like you never know what I'm. He just do.
3: wanders in and just yeah. annihilates
0: the, like the whole concept of the film, and then leaves. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. But he's just as guilty of being like complicit in the pointlessness of the film because it's he has that whole com- that Quentin Tarantino conversation about the digit as well. And like the fact that he mentions that you didn't think the feds were going to close ranks, it, despite the fact we have not seen anything in the world of the film that suggests the feds There's are closing feds. ranks at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at all. Like, the, the government does not exist in this weird world yeah, of dealing with... Test, audience,
1: re- test audiences really hated all the feds. <laughs> yeah, got so, him. <laughs> they're all
0: out but like yeah it, it, it really feels like as much as like Stockwood is making a point about like how crap it is and again I love the point of you sent a finger and it can be fingerprinted um <laughs> such an obvious kind of harebrained scam but, but like it's, it's really weird that a movie points out to you how stupid the movie that you're watching is while still being stupid itself it's like a weird inception level of stupidity which
3: I kind of it, love like that's, but I like that it's Al Pacino coming in to tell us this. It's like the mini, yeah. he's like he's signalling the end and he's heralding it, and he's like, it's yeah. gonna be okay, guys. We've made it true. The <laughs> yeah. film is a load um, of crap, and I'm and gonna <laughs> tell you why. <laughs>
0: um, and Martin, we are even for the Oscar.
3: Exactly, um, ha. He should have done yeah. a little His <laughs> like,
0: yeah, way out the door. Um, yeah, it is. It is stunning. Um, all right then. So, is there anything else anybody wants to discuss? Anything that we haven't discussed already?
2: I have one question does it seem like Ben's character decides to keep Brian at the end
0: that's well he does ring up and well, kind he... of abandon him but then stays there and smiles because yeah, the it's like, family
2: like, I like him I think yeah. I'll take him home
0: I forgot that he could be horny for a second now I remember <laughs> it and I am able to connect with him again <laughs> and again that weird connection where they're shooting the Baywatch in inverted commas whatever it is or maybe it's a video but like nobody like no- a hip hop music video yeah, right but nobody notices the fact that there is a an person act- with a neurological condition wearing street clothes in the middle of this party.
1: Yeah, but you wouldn't be you wouldn't be that impolite to say. Kind of, um, uh, I don't know.
0: Yeah, cause, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's in the movie. It's in the movie. Uh, I kind of <laughs> like that approach. Um, but yeah. yeah, it is. And again, that's that weird sequence where it's kind of like I'm proud of you, son. Moment where it's like you can hit on a random stranger just doing her job. She's not random. You
3: harass as many women as you want. You go for it, my
1: child. She has an Australian accent, okay?
3: There's no B-plot. There's no B-plot. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing um, outside of... And I always find that disturbing, like, kind of alarm bellsy about any type of film if there is no kind of even half-baked B-plot.
0: Nothing you can cut away to, is it?
3: Yeah, there's nothing like, as we were saying, like the feds, there's no feds, like there should be like a cutaway to somebody or like, we never see Brian's family worried about him or anything like that to take you out of this horrific relationship and this very, you know, boring story. So there's nothing to lift you kind of out of it. And it reminds me of like, I think I, it's a real problem with stuff that is supposed to be rom-coms. If they don't have a good B-plot, it kind of falls asunder because you need something to distract you from the main couple to make you kind of go, I want to see them again. I want to see what's happening with them again. And the same thing happened with Leap Year. Leap Year has no B-plot and it suffers for that greatly because they're nauseating together and they're very irritating like when they're together. Um, so there's nothing to distract you. And I think that's, it's amazing that it like Julie is two hours long and there's, there's nothing else to distract you from this awfulness
0: entirely like on a, on one set with characters wandering in and out pretty much I do it's like, like SNL gen is-
3: it's very like um there's moments where they're in the apartment and I'm like my god this could really turn into like an SNL sketch it feels very like close to that that it could boil over into farce which it kind of is now
0: I do like the Jen pitched as well without actually naming it a Christopher Walken b-plot that was very clearly what you were aiming yeah, of for Of
3: course there. it was. Of course. <laughs> Give to yeah, the coffee shop it. immediately. Cut <laughs> to the bloody
0: coffee shop. <laughs> you just keep. But if you were with Christopher Walken, would you want to cut back to Julie?
3: Yeah, but it's like, you know, in Midnight Run where they're cutting back yeah. like to them on their tail, like basically. And that's what it should be like. Christopher Walken should just cut back to him all the time going, what, what's going on? Or, you know, with the pie and force some people to eat the pie. And yeah, I want that. If they hadn't had to have that, it would've elevated it completely.
0: Alright. For All me. Alright. <laughs> right. Anything else anybody wants to Anything we haven't discussed already? Um No all right, then. I think that about wraps it up. So what we normally do at the end of the podcast is we ask our guests to recommend something for listeners. So something you're enjoying at the moment, something that gives you pleasure. It can be something related to the movie that we've just watched it can be something completely unrelated, just anything that you think that listeners might appreciate. So to give Louise and Jen a bit of time to think about it, Andrew, what would you recommend for listeners? Uh,
1: I'll give you plenty of time to think about it. I'll, I'll, I'll name three things that I thought of when I was watching the movie. <laughs> Two things that I've been enjoying and one thing that I'm looking forward to. So I just at the weekend saw the best movie I've ever seen in my life. It is called The King of New York. It was so good. It's, it is. It's it's by it's by Abel Ferrara. It is. Who 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 I th- I think I quite like Abel Ferrara as as a director because I, after having seen it, I saw one of his other movies, very polarizing, um, and really kind of um, uh, is is a difficult director, and and like that's the way he wants us, and um, but but King of, but it's also really kind of satisfying. Thrills, like in 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 his movie, like there there are there are scenes in King of New York that are just incredible, and even the smallest thing. Like we spoke about cop acting, there is a a, a young Larry Fishburne. Um, yes Larry's he is kind yeah. his Larry. he is. Yeah. Um, does some great cop acting in the, in that, followed by one of the best Christopher Walken moments of all time. <laughs> uh, it's a true treat. And I, I am serious by the way, I, I, oh, yeah, I don't no, it's think pretty... it's hyperbole it yeah. when, when, when I say it, it may be one of the best movies I've ever seen. Um, also in this movie um, uh, Ben Affleck mentions bre- breakfast is important, um, brunch is crucial. Uh, we're 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 millennials. I had a very nice brunch today. It's that yotamotelengi kind of leek and sitar braised eggs. Check it out. It's it it it's, it's a lot of work, but <laughs> <laughs> but the book is called Simple, and that like I could go through the recipe and we'd be here for another fifteen minutes, which we won't do. Um and and um I'm not actually gonna name the third thing because I've I've went on long enough.
0: Uh, yeah. and Louise, do you have something you'd like to recommend for this something that you're enjoying at the moment.
2: Uh, enjoying is a strong word. Um but when I was watching uh Julia I just kept thinking of Force of Nature, which is another Ben Affleck movie <laughs> that's uh been kind of fed is this charismatic movie where ben affleck again has zero character and is relying totally on his female co-star to lift the thing um so it's like yeah just a shocking delivery but worth worth an evening uh,
0: that's sandra bullock right is, is the co-star correct. in that case this is the one where he's got to get to a wedding right
2: his own wedding he his has own to get to wedding his own game. wedding and then <laughs> crazily falls in love with sandra bullock
0: because who wouldn't right yeah. <laughs> she's so kooky uh, well, again, there is an argument, though. I think that somebody made a recent argument: about nobody adding more value to a movie than uh, Sandra Bullock, and being sorely underappreciated for that fact, and like, arguing being only appreciated kind of she, after the fact for that? She
1: is good, in fairness. I I think I just don't like that sort of um, uh, genre Sandra Bullock character that oh. that that just kept keeps getting, you know, um, uh, 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 brought brought back in in. Those, you know, the the, the the kind of kooky... Anyway, sorry, never mind. Um, yeah.
0: Uh, and Jen, what would you recommend for this?
3: Um, because we were talking about a band that we all, well, I thoroughly dislike, Ben Affleck. I'm going to talk about my favourite band, Ben Sinclair, and High Maintenance, uh, Ben Sinclair and catchy Bletchfeld. um their HBO comedy drama whatever you want to call it it's perfect Um, and there's four seasons of it so I don't know if we're going to get any more after this but they were saying they're going to maybe spread the franchise to different cities which would be amazing but ostensibly it's about like a weed dealer traveling around Brooklyn but it's not about that at all Uh, it's really just about for the times that we're in now it's perfect for you because it's about isolation and it's about city living and um, trying to make connections with people and how difficult that is and how how small it is like uh, how big something can be uh, like just small gestures that you make and these connections that you don't think anything of and how big the, an effect they can have in your life and it's about trying to unify people it's about a sense of community and it's gorgeous and really like it because we were talking about a film that is so bad with its sexual politics this has the greatest uh smorgasbord of sexuality i've ever seen on tv displayed on tv and um, the writing is pitch perfect. The acting is incredible Um, and it's just so funny and lovely and heartwarming and there's not a lot of that going around on TV today and I think you cannot get
0: enough of it. It's amazing. Uh, for my own part, very quickly, two recommendations, both of which are probably very cliche at this point. On our annual podcast last year, we got the uh, a lot of people recommending Hustlers. Um, so, yes, this is a Jennifer Lopez movie. Let's recommend probably the best Jennifer Lopez movie, genuinely robbed out of an Oscar nomination, uh, much like Peter Niega was for uh, us as well. Uh, very, very worth seeing. Really liked it. Andrew, have you seen it yet, actually? I, did I have not. DVD. I
1: have the DVD. And oh, do you yeah. know what? I've just realized that the laptop that I borrowed... To watch this on has a um has a dvd player
0: <laughs> so, uh, so we're sorted do now re-
1: do you remember dvds an old disc yeah. drive
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it hums it actually remember hum- them but yes, yeah, so I would wholeheartedly recommend Hustlers and uh, I know that we've been rather cruel to Ben Affleck on this podcast and perhaps deservedly so. I would also recommend The Way Back, which is the Ben Affleck redemption narrative can story. Can we call it
3: the claw- like crawling his way back or clawing his way back? Clawing his
0: way back. Very <laughs> Well, again, like again, this gets into there's a whole separate celebrity discussion to be had about Affleck and the press tour and the way in which he's folded the narrative of the movie into the narrative of his life and stuff like that. And if you wanted to be cynical, you could, and I think that you probably can be cynical. But I think he's he is actually well used in the film i think that he's very canny about his use of a star persona in it i thought it was better than the cliches that drive it would suggest that it should be um so if you are looking for a good jennifer lopez and a good ben affleck movie i'd recommend those all right so people looking for a bit more louise in their lives where can we find you online louise
2: uh lubarachi across the board that's l-u-b-e-r-a-c-h-i yeah <laughs>
0: that's solid content right. <laughs> thank you and jen where can we find you
3: uh, Jen popped on Twitter yet again with a shocking amount of tweets about Lars Eidinger and Timothy Chalamet. And I
0: don't apologize anymore. <laughs> <laughs> We're all in quarantine. Oh, but <laughs> is there actually a mask behind you? Did I see when you kind of... There is, is sorry. Look,
3: it- no, but like they're together because <laughs> that's why call me by her name, Vinyl, and a mask of Lars. Yeah, so I have many of la- many Lars masks. There's about 50 of them floating around somewhere. The best okay. present you can give anyone, obviously. <laughs> uh,
0: Alright then. Um and then you can follow the podcast at, at the two fifty, spelled using real letters. Uh we're available on Stitcher on SoundCloud. Although to be honest, if you're listening to us, you have probably found us already. And uh, we'll be back next week with the wonderful uh Ronan Doyle and Jay Coy will be joining us for a discussion Hatchie, a dog's tail. Until then, take care guys. Bye. Bye guys, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Thank you